Chapter Fifteen of Quinto's Oaks, A Detective Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. Quinto's Oaks, A Detective Story, by Charles Ross Jackson. Chapter Fifteen the ruse after all however the doctor and i decided to spend the night at the hotel and acquire any information that we could as to occurrences in town we chose to walk along the river road to the corners keeping ourselves on the alert for any treachery the night was cool and bracing and the sky cloudless as we yearned the moon rose throwing its rays athwart the tangled outline of the wood the great high trees were just beginning to drop their leaves occasionally a woody giant separated from the rest would fix our attention standing silhouetted against the background of forest majestic alone like a sentinel guarding the thousands in column behind an occasional flutter of a night bird or the falling and rustling of the dead leaves was all that we heard as we walked rapidly the mile to the corners as we were about to round into the highway and leave the forest of the estate behind us moore grasped my arm and led me to the deep shadow of a tree by the roadside hark that sounds peculiar he said we listened and heard a thumping sound repeated at intervals an uneasy horse standing somewhere in the woods hereabouts said i yes what is he doing there at this time of the night and in these particular woods we consulted together and waited then having satisfied ourselves that the noise came from the woods of the state near the crest of the hill we decided to investigate as quickly as possible and entered the forest stealthily and with but little noise unused to the life of the woods we doubtless made more rustling than was necessary but we were favored by the fact that the trees were not very close together and in consequence the carpet of dead leaves was not thick halting behind the trunks of trees occasionally we listened for the sound which came from further within the wood soon we came to an opening a glade perhaps two hundred feet from the road the moonlight fell upon the far side but on the side next us all was shadow dark and sombre we stood well within it among the trees i fancied i heard a horse whinny the animal was certainly restive i saw the doctor take out his revolver and lie carefully down behind a tree i remained standing we both waited we were within a few feet of one another but did not speak suddenly on the far side we saw a figure walking towards the shade and heard him say a few words to the horse 
Quickly he led the animal away into what appeared to be a path. Moore whispered to me, Watch the road. He is going there. We retraced our steps and soon saw the horse appear on the edge of the wood. He was a large, powerful animal, and seemed to act as though he understood what was expected of him. The man was still leading the horse, but was now also speaking in a low voice to someone else, who disappeared toward the town and came out on the highway further down, walking rapidly toward the village, as any belated citizen might. See, said Moore, he brought the horse and is going back. Watch the rider. The latter had been standing in the shade, looking after the man who had gone, when suddenly, seeming satisfied that he was not watched, he bolted into the saddle. He came out into the moonlight in a second or two, and rode rapidly up River Road, past the corners and northward away from the town. We had managed to get near the road, and as he dashed into the open we saw that he held the reins with the left hand his right resting on the horse's neck, and in it, as we both recognized, a revolver. A splendid rider, was my remark. Yes, said Moore. Did you recognize him? It was Mike, I thought. Yes, Mike it was, and acting in a very suspicious manner. He has done this before, evidently. Knew the road and the horse, and was on the lookout for trouble for he was armed we decided to follow the first man it being useless to attempt to overtake the rider taking the darkest side of the road we walked on after the figure in the distance soon my companion's spirits began to rise and we laughed at our adventure as he called it stone i cannot help thinking that you and i are destined to become great sleuths we have been away from the mansion only a short half an hour, and already have detected a man on horseback who is carrying a revolver, and have identified him as Mike. Yes, we're improving. But why did you lie down behind that tree? Afraid? No, answered Moore with a laugh. I have been studying caution. I want to see Broadway again. Then he continued stone this adventure is becoming more and more complicated and occasionally i wonder if i was not foolish in coming here it is so different from practicing surgery this being assaulted by invisible foes seeing victims of murder and things like that to say nothing of men chasing one another by moonlight he was half serious and i acknowledged that the affair was rather nerve-wearing then we looked ahead and suddenly realized that the figure we were following had vanished moore gasped in astonishment hang it all we certainly are a pair of apes to let that fellow get away won't oakes be disgusted yes and he will have good cause the lesson was a needful but costly one thenceforth when on business we cease to discuss our feelings and endeavor to use our eyes and ears more and our tongues less 
we received a cordial welcome from the people at the hotel and gossiped around the corridor for some time the crowd outside was sullen but within the atmosphere seemed less strained we learned that chief hallen had made several arrests that afternoon a measure which had had a sovereign effect the saloons had been warned not to abuse their privileges many persons spoke of the work done by hallen as excellent indeed we were both impressed by the fact that the sentiment toward him of the better citizens was friendly considerable disgust was expressed however privately of course at the lack of evidence so far bearing upon the murder itself in the course of the evening we managed to see riley the porter and he pointed out several men to us these fellows are new in town they must be detectives if they discover things well and good but if they don't the people here won't stand it they will resent what they call outside work hallen must have gone in for business said i riley grew confidential no it ain't hallen they say there is a lot of talk about some new york man coming up here to run things who oh they say that quintos oaks you've heard of him of course is coming soon and these are some of his men indeed and moore and i exchanged glances but say continued the porter that is confidential only we fellows round here know it we parted from riley and moore said if they know about it in here of course half of the town has heard already yes the tale was doubtless started by hallen as a great secret he knew it would spread evidently oakes has not been recognized by the people as yet no i rejoined but the fact that the rumor is out shows to my mind that hallen and oakes have some little scheme on hand at any rate we must know nothing of oakes remember that he is clark to all but a select few we decided to go to one of the newspaper offices after a brief call of chief hallen who gave us no news of value but was nevertheless very agreeable he advised us to see dowd and gave us a note to him we found the newspaper man at his office just finishing his night's work he was very attentive in furnishing us back copies of his rival's paper the daily news he said he kept them filed as samples of daring journalism i have only been a couple of years in this business but i have the pedigree of the town in these newspapers i got them from people who had saved them as country people will skinner would not sell me any the rascal whenever he grows fresh and criticizes things improperly i investigate what he has previously said on the subject and then published a deadly parallel column he has a rather poor memory and i worry him once in a while he remarked with a laugh 
we found the paper which corresponded in date to the piece we had taken from the robe there was a full account of the murder of smith which we read but nothing that seemed to us of any value on that occasion no clues whatever had been found only again the local physicians had thought the wound was made by a large ball the old chief at that time had been succeeded by Hallen, who had never been able to gain any definite clue to the murderer the interest had then died out and the mystery became a thing of the past doubt discussed the similarity of the recent murder to that of smith and hinted moreover that he knew the identity of our friend clark he said Hallen had made a confidant of him as he might want to make use of his newspaper by the way speaking of the old murder there is something that has never been published but which some of the old codgers about here have cherished as perhaps relating to it what is it asked the doctor well a couple of old men who have since died both milkmen used to say that once or twice they had seen a woman near the scene of the murder at that hour in the morning also that she always ran into the woods and was dressed in black who were those old men well they were both reliable fellows their tales were laughed at so they refused to discuss the matter any more they both claimed to have seen her at a distance however and since they were on different wounds their stories seemed to corroborate each other we expressed our great interest in the news and doubt advised us to see riley the porter who had heard the story of the woman from the men themselves we returned to the hotel feeling much elated at the courtesy of doubt and at the prospect of learning something not generally known and bearing upon the murder soon we managed to find riley he came to our rooms on the excuse that we had some orders to give concerning baggage that had not yet arrived from new york the porter was decidedly intelligent having been reduced to his present position through adversity as we already knew it took only a little questioning to elicit his story which he told about as follows you see gentlemen about the time of smith's murder the milkmen were in the habit of watering their horses at an old fountain just by our curb but since done away with well about two weeks before smith was murdered one of the milkmen moses inkelman a driver for a large farm north of here told me that he had that morning seen a very large woman on the crest of the hill as he was driving to town she was seemingly anxious to avoid notice and stepped into the woods as he passed by moses asked me if i thought she was anyone from mona he seemed so curious about the matter that several who had heard his story laughed at him he was very sensitive and did not mention the episode again until after the murder long after i remember and then only to me 
when he said these people would only stop making fun of a jew and believe me they might learn something he disappeared a little while afterward and we learned from his successor that he had suddenly died of heart disease on the farm the other milkman never told his story save to a few one night around the stove in a grocery store the others were inclined to scoff at him but i remember what moses had told me and so this fellow sullivan alone it was about a year after the affair he said that he had seen a woman's figure lurking around the crest of the hill on two different occasions before the murder did he say anything about her appearance i asked no he said he never came very near to her but he saw that she always wore black and ran very heavily he thought she was one of the drunken creatures that sometimes infest the water front on saturday nights you see gentlemen there were more factories here then and the town was tougher than it is now especially along the railroad and shore where the canal boats came in the new piers farther down the river have changed all that sullivan told his story to the police but they saw nothing in it or pretended they didn't so sullivan shut up what became of him moore asked well sir that's the curious part of it to my mind he was found dead only a short time ago on the river road way down near lorona and there were marks on his throat and blood in his mouth the examiner said he had had an hemorrhage and had choked to death scratching himself in his dying struggles but well continue commanded moore gentlemen i believe he was murdered why what makes you think so i asked i saw the body at the undertaker's in lorona gentlemen and the marks on the neck were not only scratches but black and blue patches the examiner was a drunkard himself and not a good christener i always had the idea that the milkman was choked to death by the woman because he had seen her and the other fellow moses i think he was done away with likewise continued dryly i tell you gentlemen there is more to all this than is perhaps wise to know unless one keeps pretty quiet we tipped riley a good fee and then turned in for the night in a most uncomfortable frame of mind as moore said things are coming up so rapidly here that we will all be twisted before long our visit to the town had so far proved more valuable than we had hoped for and we both wished that oakes could have been with us several times in the night i awoke and each time heard footsteps passing to and fro and subdued voices in the corridor downstairs and could but reflect how very different this was from the usual quietude of such a place when we arose in the morning moore remarked that he never knew of such a noisy hotel in a small town guess the place is going to give me nervous prostration pretty soon if things keep up like this said he 
while we were at breakfast chief hallen walked in and sat down beside us in a rather pompous manner i thought he seemed desirous of calling attention to himself well gentlemen he said in a quiet enough way don't be taken aback at anything you may witness to-day you may have a surprise i want you to meet me in the hotel corridor soon and see who comes on the nine o'clock train he bade us adieu and walked out in an unnaturally aggressive manner he's showing off like a schoolboy said i or else acting corrected moore we sat down in the corridor by and by hallen was talking with a clerk at the desk the hangers-on were numerous and wore an air of expectancy they were waiting for someone the rickety old carriage from the station arrived at this moment and the man on the box opened the door with more than usual courtesy out stepped a medium-sized man of good figure and a most remarkable face it was bronzed like that of a seafaring man the eyes were black as jet and piercing the nose hooked and rather long he wore a thick short moustache which matched his hair and eyes in blackness otherwise his face was smooth-shaven and his attire was in the perfection of good taste for a businessman when he spoke one noticed particularly his strong white even teeth he looks like a pirate from the spanish main dressed up said moore a remarkably attractive fellow anyway yes i said he has the air of a celebrated man of some kind as he walked to the desk the bystanders spoke in subdued tones watching him the while i heard one lounger say sure that is the fellow i've seen him before ain't he a wonder in looks chief hallen advanced and spoke a few words to the stranger and then shook hands with him he registered and the clerk thumped the bell for riley with an air of tremendous importance as though by accident chief hallen spied us and taking the stranger by the arm walked over to us we arose and bowed as the chief repeated our names saying so that those near could hear gentlemen you are from the city let me make you acquainted with one of your fellow-citizens mr quintos oakes of new york moore calmly shook hands and mumbled something and then in a side whisper to me said it's up to you stone save something although i was nearly as surprised as he and managed to make a few audible remarks about how glad the town would be to know that quintos oaks was here i saw a merry twinkle in hallen's eyes but the stranger made a suitable reply and left us with that peculiar business-like air of his i turned to moore and half gasped what does this mean old man a decoy said he just keep your nerve hallen has been giving us practice in acting the bystanders and the groups in the street were discussing the stranger with peculiar suppressed excitement 
many of the smart ones claimed to have seen him before and to know all about him already quintus oaks rang familiarly from their lips we presently returned to the mansion and related to our leader the facts we had learned from riley regarding the woman's appearances before the murder the sudden ending of both the milkman who had seen her and the riley's own suspicions in the matter oakes was thoughtful for quite a while you have done more than i thought you could in so brief a time said he at last have you any theories regarding the identity of the woman we had none to offer and he began to smile ever so slightly well it seems to me your woman is a mistake there was no woman the assassin was a man in a black robe he ran heavily of course you have drawn the murderer of smith nearer to that of mark as regards to the sudden deaths of the milkmen probably both were killed the examinations after death conducted as these were amount to nothing the murderer of smith the two milkmen and of mark is probably one and the same stone you nearly fell a victim at the bridge the other night too i did not reply but a cold perspiration broke out over me the chain of events seemed clearer now in the light of oak's reasoning then he turned to moore doctor loan me your cigar cutter will you the physician reached for it but it was gone i think this must be it said oakes holding out the missing article next time you hide on your stomach behind a tree do it properly moore was dumbfounded what i cried you know that too we did not tell you no you did not you began your narration at the wrong end or perhaps you forgot and his eyes twinkled but how did you learn of it demanded moore recovering and quintus smiled outright my man was behind another tree only ten feet away from you the whole time when you left he picked up this as a memento of your brilliant detective work moore and i smarted a little under the sarcasm and i asked what the man was doing there oh he was watching mike and incidentally keeping you two from mischief you need a guardian you never even suspected his presence and suppose he had been the assassin well i said i suppose that you know all about your namesake in town and don't need any of our information he heard the chagrin in my voice and smiled as he replied don't mind those little things they happen to all of us i am glad that quintus oakes has arrived chief halland and i concluded that the sudden arrival of such a man as our decoy would have a salutary effect on the citizens an appearance of faction on halland's part would tend to quiet their restlessness and now that public attention is focused upon him mr clark and his friends can work more freely during the discussion that followed he told us that mike's errand on horseback was as yet unknown but that the man whom we followed and lost on the way was from a stable in lorona 
you see continued he mike has been doing this before the horse is brought from lorona in a roundabout way doubtless on his return he leaves it at some spot where it is met and returned to the stable mike is a mystery what is he up to said moore can he be the murderer wait and see replied oakes enigmatically as he ended the conversation End of chapter 14 Read by Gabby Cowan